Wait, are you... <laughs> are you gonna count me in? Whatever. I'm just gonna go for it. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say Queen's rule. But they don't. Queen's lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. And they're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Singleton, the queen of realness, leading conversations about business, life, and the real shit you want to know. Uh, welcome everybody to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton, and today we are joined by Misty LeBoy. She's coming to us from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and she is already wearing her crown. For those of you not watching on YouTube, we've got our crowns here today, and I'll let Misty know that whenever you say something very leaderly or queenly, I will place this on my head as an act of reverence to you and your queendom. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Misty. Please introduce yourself to the guests. Hi, I'm Misty LeBoy. I am a makeup artist, weight loss specialist, and a self-love coach. I help people transform from the inside and out. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for this conversation today because people ask me all the time, what am I most proud of? And without question, I can say it's the fact that I've learned to love this person right here in front of this mm. mirror. That is what I'm absolutely most proud of in my life because woman, let me tell you, I spent a long time hating this girl and I still have to regularly shut down my inner bitch. I named her Shannon. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> shut up, Shannon, shut up, Shannon. Cause you, we all have that voice, right? That tells us not good enough, too big, too small, whatever it is. So let's dig in. And what, what caused you, what's your, what's your background? What caused you to get into this? What were you doing before? Cause there's always yeah. a before, so before you were this story, right? Yeah, so I was going to art school and um, I became an art teacher and I loved I loved all things art. And that led me into cosmetics and makeup and doing makeovers. So um, I had I had an te art teaching degree and here I am teaching makeup and, and it's my passion. And I love helping women look in the mirror and just feel beautiful about themselves. And I started teaching lessons so that they could, you know, replicate the look and do it on their own. And that was very fulfilling and rewarding. It allowed me to be able to stay at home with my children when they were young. And as they grew older, um, I kind of got more into fitness and, and more into self-care. And that led me down a path to um, a nutritional company that had great products. I lost 65 pounds. And wow. so many women, you know, wanted to know how I did it and what I was doing. It was too good not to share. And here I found another way that I could help women transform inside and out and feel good about themselves. And fast forward to right before the pandemic, I was struggling uh, inside. I was in an unhealthy relationship and I was really struggling. And um, I, even though I had the makeup on and even though I had lost 60, 65 pounds and, and kept it off and was, you know, feeling good when I looked in the mirror, deep down inside, uh, something was missing. You know, I, mm. you may have heard of the God size hole before, but <laughs> I just tried filling this void with everything. Um, healthy, unhealthy. I mean, retail therapy, uh, sex addiction, um, just seeking validation externally. Um, 
that had me struggling with uh, with a sex and love addiction and um, uh, abandonment issues. It, it was just so so much going on, and I was in so much pain, and no one on the outside could see. And it really made me realize that no matter <laughs> how pretty the facade looks, it's just the icing on the cake. If if you don't got the ingredients right inside, you know none of that matters. Right. And I was, I was, you know, not in the best spot. And then the pandemic hit and <laughs> oh man, I was in a really dark, low place. I'm a very social person and not being able to socialize and I need connection. And I just felt so disconnected and, and just, I just had, I lost hope. And, mm. um, I recognized that this toxic relationship I was in with a narcissist was just slowly killing me. Oh, wow. And I had become a shell of the person that I was. I barely recognized myself and um, I, I had to find a way out and I uh, had to pull myself away. And, um, you know, the, the struggle with the sex and love addiction was <laughs> felt like I was making it impossible on myself. And then I had a spiritual awakening. You know, mm. I realized that I deserve more than this. And uh, I, you know, we say, people say that we, we hurt ourselves, we hurt ourselves. We only let people hurt us to the limit that will hurt ourselves. Yeah. And I just was, I was becoming a woman that I, I no longer recognized and, and I had to make some changes and uh, put some space and, and set some boundaries. And uh, slowly I, I began to heal myself. And, and the time that I was investing in that toxic relationship, I began investing in myself. Yeah, And I became a student of myself. I, you know, I studied and I researched and I wanted to learn more about why I was the way I was, why I was attracting what I was attracting. And I started mm. to see the cycles. And it's like, once you start to see the cycles, you can't unsee them, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so dig into that a little bit. Was this, first of all, was this relationship with, uh, was it a long-term relationship? Was it your husband or a boyfriend or? So I'm in an open marriage mm -hmm. and it was with a boyfriend of five years. Okay. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the agreement in my open marriage was that, you know, I was never going to leave my husband and this relationship just became so pressuring um, for, for me to leave. And, you know, that wasn't what we had agreed on. And, and it just, just became so toxic. Yeah. So you have a husband yeah. still, still that you've been with for how long? 15 years for 15 years. And you guys are great. Have an open relationship for the both of you. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Now he's obviously not a narcissist or you wouldn't have been with him for 15 years. Right. But you say that you were in a cycle of attracting the same kind of person. Can you talk to us about what that looks like? Because I think a lot of women don't recognize these patterns of behavior and they're like, well, I just always attract the wrong guy. Right. What, what, what's that so, all about? So I was attracting emotionally unavailable men um, who were very much like my father, who uh, left when I was a young age. So I was struggling with abandonment issues and codependency. And I was attracting men who were just feeding into that. Mm. My husband excluded. Yeah. So it was like, I had this one stable relationship here, but the, the God size hole was making me, what it was making me continue to search. Uh-huh. 
Okay. So I tried to fill that void with other men. You know, I tried to fill it with lots of things, um, but not recognizing that I was recreating the cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so what, what's your relationship like now? Are you still in an open relationship? Yeah. So, so my husband loved me through <laughs> the worst <laughs> breakup of my entire life and it strengthened our marriage, you know, to even, to even a better place now. I mean, we really believe in helping each other to live our best life and to support each other, no matter what that looks like. And, yeah. you know, we recognize that all your needs are not necessarily going to be met by one person. And that's an unrealistic expectation to think that. So, um, and, and, and as we've grown and as our thinking has evolved, our relationship has become more open and yeah. I'm, I'm more loving to be honest. Wow. What, what caused you all to go down that road? Uh, has it always been that way? No. Um, you know, at a very young age, I recognized that I didn't believe in monogamy, but I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. So I had a lot of shame about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had to keep that part of me hidden for a long yeah. time. And that, that led to a lot of, of cheating in relationships that I would, you know, further beat myself up about and feel more shame about. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I was in my probably mid thirties that someone introduced me to um, the lifestyle and different, different people, you know, having different relationships. And I learned about polyamory and mm -hmm. polyamory for those that don't know are um, many loves. They don't believe that you can only love one person, you know, and I, and I kind of explained to it, like having children, you have your first child and you love that child more than anything in the world. And you think I can't possibly love anyone else. And then your second child comes. And then you're and like, you love that wait, I like this one child. too. <laughs> right? Just as much, just as much as the first one, but differently, you know, it's different. The love yeah. that you have for your children and it, one love doesn't take away from the other love. You yeah. can, you are, we as humans are, our love is an infinite resource. And yeah. we are capable of, of loving infinite amount of people. So I've always had this belief, but didn't, didn't know what it was called. Didn't know how to express it and had a lot of shame and guilt. Yeah. I'll bet. Have yeah, you, did I, you grow up in Pennsylvania? I did. Mm -hmm. Is it a very conservative type traditional town? Yes. Yeah. I would say same so. here. I think yeah. a lot of people don't recognize, you know, even for me, like I was just talking with my husband the other day about my family when we, when I was young and up until probably my mid twenties, early thirties, we were together all the time. Like, I mean, my extended family, my grandma, my uncle, my sister, her, her husband and kids and my husband and kids. And it was like a Friday night to Sunday night thing. Like we were together all weekend long. And he's like, you know, that's not how most families are. Right. And I was like, they're not. I mean, it, it really has been kind of a struggle for me to recognize just certain things in the way that families or people or relationships or, or individuals conduct their, their selves and their business of life is mm -hmm. so completely vastly different than my experience. So I love right. seeing what works for other people, um, and, and exposing that light so that people know there's no shame in, in what you're doing. I was listening to a podcast with Mel Robbins the other day talking about, um, masturbation and, and self, self, sex, self, self, sex with self. I can't remember what they call it. They don't call it masturbation, but, but these are things that so many of us 
coming from conservative small towns have so much shame it wrapped Mm -hmm. up around. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I felt like I was living a double life because I, you know, I had a a secret boyfriend and the secret thing on the side and, and it was just, I couldn't let anyone know because of the shame of it. And uh, after my first divorce, when my husband and I, my second husband and I got together, you know, I, I shared a little bit with him about how I was feeling and, and he kind of, he had similar views as well, but he was raised the same way. So he also carried guilt and shame about it. And uh, it took, you know, it took a, a, a lot of navigating and a lot yeah. of trust, a lot of open communication to, to get to a point where, you know, jealousy doesn't exist because we, we know our worth. And when you, when you have two people that know their worth that are together and they're healed, you know, it's like, no woman is a threat to me. No man is a threat to him, you know, and if ever one of us decides to leave, then, you know, we support each other in that decision because that's what, you know, that's what part of this is all, you know, us doing this together, supporting each other and living our best life. Yeah. I love that you talk about the communication piece, um, because I think that's what most people say they do, but don't really do. (laughs) <laughs> During my self-love journey, I had to get radically honest with myself and with others. And, you know, part of that was self-acceptance. And, mm. um, you know, I felt like there were parts of me that I felt like no one could love me if they really knew the truth. Ooh. Yeah. And, you know, that kept me in shame and, and, you know, just living this double life, I felt horrible about it. And it, I had self-hatred about it because it wasn't who I felt like I was. I wasn't a dishonest person. I wasn't a disloyal person Yeah, for wanting something different. Right. It's just different. It's not, it's not wrong. Right. It's just different. Right. And, you know, I I came to my husband and I said, you know, there are, there are things that I need to be completely honest with you about. And, you know, I, I, I want to be, I don't want to ever be able to, you know, keep anything from you. And, and, you know, he was like, tell me, tell me everything. Like, I want to know it all the good, the bad, the ugly. And part of my self-acceptance was sharing it with him and telling him, you know, about the horrible things that I felt like I had done in my life and, and talking him with him and, and his unconditional love just made me realize that like, I am worthy of love even, even when I do bad things. And even when I I feel like I was at my worst and, um, you know, that unconditional love was, was very healing, very healing. Absolutely. That's why, that's why that's what I'm most proud of is loving myself. Because when I got that piece, right, when I understood my worth, when I knew that I'm definitely different, I'm not for everybody, but Mm -hmm. that tiny amount of people, um, that I could get myself when, once I got myself right, then the alignment started to come with the other yeah. people in my life, in my business, in, in my family and on my relationships, even with my children. Um, I think they recognize now that mom's loving herself more than ever. Yeah. yeah. And it sets that example for them to, to be okay and give them permission to do, to do the same. So Absolutely. you were teaching art, mm-hmm. started putting on makeup and, and just turn this whole thing into a business. Did, when did you exit teaching? Um, it was early on. I think I only taught for two years. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's becoming a more and more common thread <laughs> as well. Uh, people recognizing what's possible 
for themselves, right? Versus, and you know, I caught a lot of flack for that too. Um, my family shamed me for, for leaving teaching for uh, network marketing. I was selling cosmetics and, and that to them, that wasn't a real job, you know, yeah. and, they, and they shamed me for it. And, and, you know, just the sarcastic comments and the jabs, you know, that chips away at your self-esteem, you yeah. know, and it's, ah, uh, it's hard. <laughs> Well, talk about that a little bit because so many of our listeners are, are going, leaving jobs. They're leaving, you know, they're a therapist and they want to go and be a coach. They're a teacher and they want to go and start a, start a business of their own, or, you know, they're a teacher and they have to do network marketing because they freaking can't afford to live, especially here in Oklahoma. I'll tell you that. Um, so, so talk to us about, um, how you navigated that and, and how you dealt with those, those voices coming in, especially from those closest to you that you feel like should love and, and respect and support you so much. Yeah. You know, I, I started network, network marketing, uh, gosh, probably 25 years ago. I was, I was really young, I was a young age and, and I got in the cosmetics and because to me that was like playing with paint, right. That brought out my inner child when I was able to put makeup on and, and my, my mom didn't raise me that way. So yeah. you know, it wasn't until I was in college that I even learned how to put on makeup, but I definitely became passionate about that and helping, helping women. And um, as far as the network marketing goes, I remember I was so young and I'm trying to sell cosmetics to, to much more mature women. And I just kept hearing, you're so young. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. You don't understand. You're so young. So I remember trying to make myself look older, <laughs> even wow. when I was teaching and, and, and do these appointments because I didn't want to be called so young. And, uh, you know, then, then I enjoyed the health and wellness and it was like, I just wanted to be smaller. So it was like, I was trying to fit a mold of what someone else wanted me to be. And even with my first husband, it was like, I'll do whatever you want. You know, I'll be whatever you want. Just love me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was a cycle that was starting of me seeking validation. And, and even with sales, you know, I, I wanted to be the top performer. I wanted the recognition, the admiration, and the attention that I hadn't got <laughs> as a child. And you don't recognize this stuff, you know, when you're younger and you're going through it, but it's like, now I can look back over everything and, and I see it all. And it's like, I don't regret a thing. You know, everything got me exactly here where I am right now, but I noticed the people pleasing and mm. I noticed, you know, just me trying so hard to, to win people over and just, just, you know, I look back and I think that poor girl now, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Um, and, and I love myself for doing the best, you know, with, with what I could, but the, um, as far as like the, the, the criticism that you, you know, you get a lot of people when I was in network marketing, you know, it was a lot of negativity, a lot of, why don't you have a real job? You know, oh, you think you're going to become a millionaire. You're going to get rich or whatever. And I did really, I did really well. I earned a back <laughs> and I proved a lot of people wrong. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, well, who, who's talking now? Mm. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to turn that, that negativity into fuel and use it as motivation. And I, I certainly did, you know, I, I couldn't let it keep me down. I had to keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, sadly, because I felt like I had something to prove. Yeah. You know, when, when you, I tell people the best weight I've ever lost is the weight of other people's opinions. 
Ooh, I, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Here goes the crown. I know that's right. Oh, that's so good. Lose that weight. That's the best weight you'll yeah. ever lose because ultimately you, yeah. So like, so is that how you got over? You just had to stop. I mean, I know that sounds easy. Stop caring, but really tuning out those voices and staying in your lane and staying true to what you know you're doing next is, is really the only way that I've found. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once I recognized the patterns and I saw that I was seeking validation and, and looking for my happiness externally and, and recognizing that what I was seeking for was already inside. I had to stop searching. I just had to go inside and get it and reconnect with my inner queen. (laughs) I know that's right. And in doing so, I, you know, like I said, getting radically honest with myself, I decided to put myself first and you know, unfortunately, growing up, women are not taught to put themselves first. And we have to no, relearn. We, not. we have to relearn how to do that. And uh, I just started putting myself first. I started saying yes. Um, and, and when I wanted to say yes, and no, when I wanted to say no, and that was really hard for me as a people pleaser. To oh, do it's that. so hard. It's learning so that no is a complete sentence as well. You know, I always felt like I had to explain to people and make up excuses. And, and that led to little white lies that I felt crappy about myself about. And then I'd beat myself mm. up for lying. It was a bad cycle. And now I, I I'm radically honest. And sometimes the truth hurts worse, but, you know, people respect me for it. And I can respect myself for it, um, yeah. you know, being honest with people and being honest with yourself and, and learning to set boundaries. That was another hard thing, you know, as a, as a recovering people pleaser to do and to just start doing the things that I wanted to do that brought me joy every day, focusing on that, that has made a huge difference in my life. So you mentioned a couple of children or a child, you mentioned children, yeah. talk about have- um, those children and how you've been able to learn to put yourself first, because a lot of our listeners uh, are younger moms. Their, their children are younger. My youngest is 15. So they're kind of on their way out of needing mom <laughs> and I'm coming to terms with that. But can you talk to, to these moms out there listening, going, I can't put myself first. I have five, five-year-olds or whatever it is they've got in their house. Yeah. Yes, I know. I understand that feeling of not being able to put yourself first, especially being raised in a patriarchal society. I I get it. I have three children, 21, 20. um, Those are my two older boys. And then I have an 11 year old daughter and um, being able to put yourself first. So what I talk to my clients about is when you're on that airplane and, and it's experiencing turbulence and those oxygen masks drop down, you have to put your mask on first before you help other people and you don't even realize how important this is because you haven't been doing it and you don't realize the impact that it will have on your life when you try and do it differently and start putting yourself first even if it's at small at first you know just five minutes a day of quiet time journaling meditation you know a 15 minute bubble bath you know whatever it is that makes you feel good about yourself um, you know, scheduling a date night. I, I really think a lot of people miss the boat on that one. But, you know, yeah. part of a healthy marriage is is healthy communication, but also time alone. Mm-hmm. And that time alone, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a date night out. It could be time alone at home. But spending that time connecting is is just so important. So important. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Take care of yourself because you will run out of energy. You will run out of those stores if you don't pour into, into yourself. Um, so when mom's happy, about, everyone's happy, right? Isn't that the same? Right? That's what they say, but somehow yeah. we're all like pissed off all the time. <laughs> At least most of the women I know seem to be pretty ticked a lot of the time. Um, and I think it's because, yeah, they're not taking the time to pour into number one first. Yeah. You can't um, pour from an empty cup. You hear it all the time. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Very true. So when someone works with you, take us through what that looks like. Sure. So as a self-love coach, um, I have a 12 week program that I do with women and uh, each week we have, we cover a hot topic. So like, we'll start with self-acceptance. I think that's a great place to start for people yeah. on their self-love healing journey. So we'll start with self-acceptance and um, I have a recorded lesson that I send them. They watch the lesson. It's about a 30 minute lesson. And then together we dissect it and we dig into it. And it's a lot of introspection and a lot of really thought provoking questions to help you dive deeper into the topic so that you can learn more about yourself and learn to love yourself more. You know, your the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship of all. And um, we just don't focus on it enough. You know, we think about when was the last time you spent time working on your relationship with yourself? Yeah, yeah. Not Most many people, people are not doing that. They're not doing it. They're pushing it by the wayside. They don't realize how important it is because you've been, you know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't stuff we were taught, right? Everything's external. You give, you give, you give, you give until you die. I mean, pretty right. much, right? right? You give out of your time, you give out of your wallet, you give out of your home, you give out of your pantry, you give, give, give everything you have uh, to the finish line, right? That's yeah. what we were raised to think. Yes. But, but I mean, I'm sure you probably have found the same thing. When you start giving more to yourself, it changes your vibration and you will get more externally. You will attract more. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, you know, it just, it just works that way. The, yeah. the more I give myself, the more I am able to give others, the more I get in return. And uh, I've been really working on um, mutually beneficial relationships. Um, you know, meeting people in the middle and not going 80 for their 20. Yeah. And that was, that was something that I really struggled with. And if you're out there and you're feeling like I'm always the one doing, I'm always the one calling. I'm always the one reaching out. It's always me. It's always me. Stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, don't bitch about what you permit. Like you, you, if you're the one who keeps doing it, stop doing it stop the cycle and when I stopped that cycle I got to find out who was really important in my life yeah the people who I stopped contacting that never contacted me back they just vibrated out I lost contact with them and and I'm okay with that because yeah. they were putting they weren't putting the effort in you know so yeah. so I had to find people who were willing to match my effort in relationship and, yeah. you know, give as much as I was giving and, and, uh, and learn as much, you know, I, I am looking for relationships that I can learn and grow in now, you know, and that are just, like I said, mutually beneficial relationships. Yeah. And I love what you said. And that's okay. I say that so much and that's okay because 
people were not, were not supposed to be with us for a lifetime. Most of the time, you know, they come in, they come out. And I think we spend a lot of time thinking about what that other person is thinking. And really they're not because they're busy too, just like we are. And, and they have maybe have moved on to a different relationship that is serving them better and serving that person better. And you can find a new relationship that serves like you said, that is more mutually beneficial to both of you um, than wasting your time being with the wrong people. Absolutely. And when you realize that what people do 98% of the time has nothing to do with you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What a blessing that is, you know, and you know, no one thinks about you more than you think about you. That's right. When you stop taking things personally and, and recognize that their life has nothing to do with you. Their decisions have nothing to do with you. You know, it's, it's right. their shit. It's their stuff. That's right. Yeah. yeah their experiences. That That's a big thing in sales. People will tell you, you know, you can ask a hundred people the same question and you're going to get a different answer depending on where they're coming from, not depending on your offer. I mean, of right. course your offer has something to do with it, but depending on where this person is coming from, your offer is not right for them. It's not, it's not, you know, they're not in the right season. They don't have the right money. They don't have the right, whatever it is. It has nothing to do with you. It has to yeah. do with their experience and where they're coming from. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we take that. Uh, we don't think about that often enough when we're feeling rejected and sad and down and all those things feeling poor me, um, when they're not thinking about you at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that goes to goes along with learning not to take things personally. You know, the book, The Four Agreements, boy, that was a, a gift um, for me. Um, I must have listened to that book 10 times because every time I found something else and found something else, and I was like, this is, if I just follow these four principles, like- Oh, really- well, for those who haven't read it, tell tell us a little bit about, tell, tell them about what that book covers. It's so good. <laughs> um. Oh gosh, it just, it covers the four pillars of life, really the the four um, things that you should focus on. And, and the, the main thing, um, I'm not, I can't think of the all four <laughs> off the top of my head right now because I'm on the spot, but the main no thing is, is to not take things personally. And, um, you know, really just, it talks about a lot of what we're talking about here about, you know, it's, it's someone's perspective and, um, you, you know, it goes to learning um, you don't need to be right. You reach a, you reach a point where your peace is more important than being right. And, yeah. uh, there's that saying, um, you know, there's no win and lose, you know, because it, if, if you lose I lose too, you know, in a partnership and in a relationship. So, that's right. you know, I see a lot of couples still struggling with that. Someone needs to be right. And there has to be a winner and a loser. And, uh, yeah. you get rid of that mentality and you recognize that you were on the same team. That's it's right. life-changing. It is life-changing. Yeah. My husband says all the time, I can be happy or I can, I can be right. Or I can be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to be right. It's okay. And that's our yeah. ego. You know, our yeah. ego has to be right. You know, think sometimes just ask yourself, why is this important? It's not let it go. Yeah, that's it. Literally check your ego. I mean, I'm at the point in my life where if you say one plus one equals five, I'm like, you're right. Enjoy your five. That's awesome. Right. I love your five. If you like it, I love it. Good for right. you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, why are we sitting around arguing? I think that not a lot of, not enough people have enough hobbies because they're arguing with complete strangers on the internet about right. things that don't matter anyway. Like, exactly. holy crap, get a hobby. You're not busy enough. <laughs> it's so true. What do you find is, is 
um, <clears throat> the most common thing when, when a woman comes to work and I'm assuming you work mostly with women. I do. Uh, when a woman comes to work with you in order to try and find this self-love, um, relationship with herself, what do you find is usually the most common, um, problem, the most common underlying, um, denominator that everybody's working from? Lack of self-worth always. When you peel yeah. back layers and you, you know, dig deeper, it almost always comes back to lack of self-worth. Where do you think that comes from? Childhood, childhood trauma. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. talking about trauma, one of the things that helped me heal was learning about big trauma and little trauma mm, and recognizing okay recognizing that, you know, for me, I wasn't sexually abused or physically abused. I didn't have this traumatic childhood. So I had trouble healing because I was thinking there must be something wrong with me because it's not trauma. Mm. Like I'm, I'm broken and it, and I can't blame it on trauma. So, you know, it must be me that I'm just that messed up. So, um, in doing research and, and being a student of myself, you know, I come to learn that, that there's little traumas and mm. these little traumas can be just as impactful as these big traumas, you know, and a little trauma could be, you know, getting lost in a grocery store as a child. I mean, we've all experienced that, um, you know, that that's abandonment at its core, you know, feeling lost and abandoned and left alone. So something little like that, you being made fun of at school, you know, yeah. these little, all these little traumas and some of them, a lot of them, you're not even going to remember, you know, right. you're not going to remember, but all of these, these little traumatic events add up and things that we think that aren't traumatic as adults, you have to remember it was the child's trauma. So something that happens to a five-year-old that an adult doesn't think is traumatic, a five-year-old still could find very traumatic. Yeah, so definitely. Learning about that, you know, that helps me be able to really do some inner child work and, and do some healing there. But I think yeah. you know, childhood and, um, you know, personally, I wasn't raised um, with a, in a healthy environment as far as my, my parents' relationship. And uh, I, that's, that's all I knew, you know, when we grow up, you know, what does a loving relationship look like? I, I didn't know what it looked like because I, I, I only had one example and it, right. we all do example. whatever example we get. Yeah. That's what we get. Right. And we're <laughs> stuck in that example for typically around 18 years. I mean, yeah, I, I love that you say that because it's really the culmination of, of all our experience that makes us who we are. And, and I also hesitate to use the word trauma because I'm like, well, how's anything really happened to me that was traumatic? And I'm talking to my therapist on Thursdays, like I always do. And I said something to her last week and she said, I mean, the look on her face was unbelievable. She's like, Amy. And I was like, what? I mean, yeah, that happened. And she goes, that is abuse. You, you understand that that, that is physical abuse. Right. And I was like, wait, wait, it, what it, that's abuse. Really? And she's like, yes, that that's abuse. And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, okay. Right. So maybe the things that I'm thinking of later, right. not what I, not what really happened to the child mm -hmm. or things that you don't know are not normal. You know, you grow up normalizing them. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
find out like, oh, everybody didn't sit around passing around a joint, handing the kids the joint. So sometimes we we normalize things because we don't understand that they weren't normal. You know, that's just how we grew up. You know, for, for me, it was, you know, oh, it's not normal to sit around in a circle and, and you hand the children the, the joint that they pass to the next adult. You know, that's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. Oh, so, I think that's kind of how my husband's family was growing up. Yeah, but yeah, like not normal for my family. That was definitely not the norm. Right. No, not normal for me either. Yeah. Um, so we just don't recognize the dysfunction when we're in it. Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in recognizing that those things happen to a child and now we're an adult, that that's a, that's kind of a key point, key takeaway there for me. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. So you, you find that these people are, 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 are held on to a lack of self-worth self-worth based on their previous experience and and you're helping them work through that right yeah yeah, yeah. tell us yeah, about a lot of women oh, as it is I say, tell say us a about lot of women, favorite client yeah a lot of women too struggle with um that that inner critic you know that we were talking about in the beginning self-talk yeah, shannon. is so shut up and... shannon <laughs> <laughs> she is you so have to name been... her Name your oh, inner yeah, critic, I, ladies. Name her. I and, say she's and, the biggest bit. Yeah. Yeah. Personify her. Like, just tell her to shut up when she starts talking. That's what I do. I do too. I <laughs> absolutely do. And, you know, it's like you can listen to either one. You choose who you want to listen to. Why wouldn't you want to listen to your cheerleader? You know, we have enough haters out there. We need more support and love. Why not? Why not give that to yourself? And when you can because we, that, that's a gift. Yeah, but we don't because we've been taught that that's narcissistic or that's too self-serving or it's not okay to cheer for yourself. Someone else has to do that for you, right? Mm -mm, right. That's a lie. I think that's the biggest lie we've all been sold is that someone else is going to cheer for us, do it for us, move the needle forward for us. Look, nobody's coming to save you. No. Like even Jesus Christ himself is not going to reach down his almighty hand and pick you up from where you are. You have to move, you have to decide and you have to go forward. Right. Yes. Yeah. I remember do it arm in arm with him, but he ain't going to do it for you, girl. <laughs> I would get yelled at as a child for, for looking in the mirror, for, wow. for, for admiring anything that I saw in the mirror. I was yelled at for that and, and shamed for that. So yeah, it's, it's true, you know, but when you recognize that that's not the way things are supposed to be, then yeah. you have, you have the ability to make that conscious choice to make change. And, you know, learning to shut her up is, is, is you have to learn to do it. It's like learning a new language, right? right. Like you have to reprogram yourself. And, and I've even had a client wear a rubber band on her wrist you wanted me to talk about a client, she wore a rubber band on her wrist. And then anytime she said something negative to herself, she would snap the rubber band. Snap it. Yeah. I like that. And just to, just to remind herself, like, you know, like a therapy treatment, like shock treatment. No, no, yeah. no, don't say that. And, and I, I remember, I remember pausing and apologizing to myself. Mm. And I would think, would I talk, would I say that to my daughter? Yeah. No, I would never say the things that I was saying inside here to anyone out loud, you That's know? Right. So why would you speak to yourself that way? You yeah. know, and you have to un unlearn it. You owe it to yourself to unlearn 
that negative self-talk and to replace it with positive, loving talk, it will, it will change your life. It really will. So you already gave us one tip here where, okay, most of us probably wear like a hairband, if not a rubber band on our wrist. So there's one thing we can do when Shannon starts screaming in your ear, you can, wow, that's actually, that's effective. That starts to hurt after a second. What else? Give us a tool. Give it, give us a little teaser of a tool of something that everybody can use starting today to start loving ourselves more. Um, gratitude, gratitude, Mm. gratitude, gratitude. Um, start loving yourself more. Be, I mean, the mirror is another great tool. You know, I recommend people do a lot of um, mirror work. And Mm. especially if you have trouble looking in the mirror, make it an effort to, to spend time looking in the mirror and just appreciating whatever you see in the mirror, Mm. whether it's your eyelashes, whether it's your ears, you know, find something to love and to appreciate, you know, our bodies work so hard for us. They are a miracle. And we don't treat them as such. We really don't. Your body is this beautiful vessel that carries your soul and it does amazing things. It allows you to hear beautiful music and taste amazing foods and, and see the beautiful colors. And we just don't learn to love and appreciate our body enough. Stop focusing on your cellulite and your extra (laughs) belly fat. Don't focus on that. You know what we focus on magnifies and multiplies. Focus on the love and all the beauty that you see, and you will keep seeing more of that. More of that's that. right. Yeah. And she's not talking about the time I spend in front of the 10x mirror every day plucking my chin hairs. Okay. <laughs> she's talking about admiring what you see in the mirror, <laughs> which I also promise to work on myself. But tell yeah, yourself you love right. yourself. I tell myself all the time, I love you. And, and if you struggle with saying that, you know, tell yourself, I'm learning to love you. Mm, I am yeah. learning to love these thighs. <laughs> That's right. And you know what I found is that when you, when you're, you know, I also have lost a tremendous amount of weight. Um, I was almost 300 pounds at one time. And like you said, when you, when you look in the mirror and you focus on that thing, That's all that expands in your mind. But when you look in the mirror and you focus on the things you love about yourself, then you start to exhibit the behavior that, that cares for that self that you love. And that's when things change, like clearing skin, losing weight, getting stronger, being more shiny and healthier. That's when those things come in. You don't have to start the other way around and just, you know, hit the gym 10 days a week, but you can start by just loving yourself. And then those things that make you want to love you more begin to happen naturally because you take action on behalf of yourself. Right. At least that's how it happened for me. Yeah, me too. I I always say you can't hate yourself into happy. You know, you can't hate yourself into thin. It's it's mm. not going to work. You have to learn to love that person inside. So good. That's so that good. Was- you can't <laughs> hate yourself into happy, ladies. You can't hate your body into thin. You can't no. hate your bank account into riches. You cannot do that. You have to focus on the positive and love yourself, know yourself and love her, not love her anyway, but just love her just like she is. You're all capable of doing that. And I'm so happy that we had Misty today to come on and tell us more about how you're helping women learn to love this beautiful vessel that we all have that we can call her own.
Thank, Thank you. you so much. Tell their guests how they can work with you, Misty. If you're out there and you're going, shit, you know what? I really do kind of hate this broad that's me. Uh, how can I love her more? Um, how can they get in touch with you and start working with you in your 12-week program? Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was an amazing, insightful, just juicy conversation. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> Um, if you if you would love to work with me, I would I would love to connect with you. Um, if you visit my website, mistylaboy.com, um, I have a self-love quiz that um, lets you learn more about your love block, what's keeping you from a fully uh, loving and unconditional relationship with yourself. And if you take mm. that quiz, it's a three-minute quiz, I will send you the key, um, your solution to um, digging deeper and having a more loving relationship with yourself. And uh, from there, we could schedule a call if you want to learn more about the 12 week program. But um, I'm just honored to be here today amongst my fellow queen. Thank you so much. I just really appreciate it. Absolutely. So if you're out there, you want to have more self-love, go over to Misty Laboy, L-A-B-O-Y.com and take her quiz. See where you're lacking. Get the keys to your queendom, ladies. You deserve to love yourself better. Thank you, yeah. Misty, for being my guest today. And thank you for being a queen that leads. Thank you. The Queen's Lead podcast is recorded worldwide and produced by the kick-ass media team at the Height Digital home base in Nicaragua. Until our next episode, stay real queens and go lead. Remember to tap that follow and leave your review. For freebies and more real, inspiring content you love, go to amysingleton.net. And connect with Amy on our socials at The Real Amy Singleton. One more thing. This is the legal language, what my lawyer wrote and what I need to read to you. This podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only. I am Amy Singleton, and I'm just your friend. Although I may speak to many on this show, I am not a psychotherapist, a business coach, a doctor, a CPA, a lawyer, or probably anyone who should be giving you professional advice. This podcast is not a substitute for a relationship with your doctor, coach, or any other licensed professional. Got it? Good. Now go be a queen and follow me at The Real Amy Singleton. <laughs>